following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Eat Sleep List. I'm Dan Torres, one of the hosts of the show. Across from me is my good friend, Matt Johnson. Hey, Matt. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long week, but I'm really glad to be here and be doing this. Um, We're coming off a great episode with uh, our friends over at Emerge in Niagara Falls. That was such a great studio and such a fun, fun vibe to have for that episode. It was a lot of fun. I don't get to talk about Disney very much, and uh, it was always nice, and I love talking with Maranto. Uh, I'm excited to go back. I've been really uh, like, really thinking hard about this uh, this this theme park ideas list. Yeah, me too. And there's, a, there's, like, it's, there's so much you could do. There's literally so much you could do. There's a ton. There, There's really, the options are really limitless when it comes to that stuff. And, like, it's so funny because now I keep thinking of things and being like, wait a minute. Is there parks dedicated to this now? Is right. that, like, so, You'd be surprised. Yeah, because things are is. coming to life so much now. Everything is possible in this day and age. So that'll be a fun one to really get down to the oh, nitty-gritty. I, I was like, oh, wow, a Lego theme park would be great. Wait, they have Lego Land, and I've been there. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I've been there. Shoot. You know, why yeah. get – but, yeah, that's that's the beauty of all this is, is I really want, like, us, like you, me, Rich, to unleash our just creative – uh, just potential. Like, get as creative as we want with this. Yeah, if absolutely. If you want to do like I was like like even like if there's like a music group, right? I'm going to Tennessee in April. Dolly Parton has her theme park, Dollywood. Mm-hmm. All right. There's so much you could do. There's so much. There's literally that. That is a complete idea for a theme park. You got, you you got me thinking of like an Elvis land now that you could do. Yeah, <laughs> Elvis. I mean, Jesus. Uh, we could do whatever we want. It's it's literally limitless. So yeah. I, I'm excited to see what everybody brings to the table. I love it. I love that this show brings those uh, ideas and those lists like that. Um, speaking of fun ones to do, this one, um, I came up with this uh, a while back, and we had months. both really liked it. And I'm happy that we're finally getting the opportunity. If you uh, if you clicked on this episode, you already know we're doing the top ten biggest heels in sports uh, today, and if you don't know what the term heel is, I believe it co- does. It come from wrestling, typically. I've that was the first. Uh, Th- that was I've my first it, yeah. exposure of it. So a heel in wrestling terms is a bad guy, a guy who uh, is against the crowd, the guy you love to hate, those type of people. And across sports, there are tons of these dudes that have just either found their way in bad media, in bad press one way or another, or, you know, they have a way of pissing off their teammates a little bit too much. Or you have your um, not-so-typical guys you love to hate. Uh, that, And I think I have a few on there on this list, one that might surprise you a little bit, but uh, I'll definitely have justification. Uh, you were telling me at first you had a hard time with this, and now 
it's so hard to narrow down some of these people too, right? For sure. I mean, I, my easiest was going to to football. I, I will I will admit this is a heavy football list, um, and I was like, oh man, you know, what do I do? And then I was like, oh, here are some ideas. And it's like we're not we're not talking about like the, this is the goat like this is the definitive list. This is our personal list of like I, I guess our favorite heels in sports, right? Sure. I mean that's that's kind of a way I, I perceived it. Um, our favorite bad guys, so to speak. Um, so it did get a lot easier. I do want to ask you this though. Mm. I do want to ask you this. I think it's an important setup for this uh, this list. What makes a great sport villain or a heel to you? Okay, so first they got to have a lot of exposure, right? You can't be a good villain without having that spotlight on you. Everybody knows who villains like the Joker and Two-Face are because they're constantly popping up on TVs in Gotham going, hey, Gotham City, like I'm about to blow it up. (laughs) So they got to be in your face a little bit, right? Right. Um, They got to have a lot of exposure in that way. I think... In a way, I think championships make a little bit of a heel. Okay. Um, I think definitely run-ins with the law. A lot of different types of run-ins with the law. Really? Depending on what it is. Okay. Um, the, my number one has, has had a lot of turmoil within and without of the company. And also cheating. Cheating's a big one that makes mm. my villains list. Okay. Um, so a lot of these people, too... Um, that I have on here were either caught using PEDs in some kind of way or something like that. Uh, but it, really going outside of the rules. I don't like – I'm a big UFC guy, right? Right. I think in the sport of mixed martial arts in particular, it's so uh, important to keep the athletes clean, as clean as they possibly can. Correct. Because we've seen what happened. You have – Vitor Belfort, who did TRT legally forever, and it cost Michael Bisping his eye in right. their fight. Like, those types of things. Um, so those are the—whenever when when whenever I find out somebody has, like, popped or is dirty or something like that, that always has found a way to get under my skin. Like, really, really has. Uh, the guys—I think it's those type of guys that just really stick with you in those ways. Or— Another classification, I guess, would be someone on an opposite sports team that broke your heart at some point. I could see specific fan bases having them. Like, the Bills would have Patrick Mahomes at this point, right? Right. He's a great player. He's probably the best uh, all-around athlete, if not QB, in the NFL. Right. But... We we love to hate him over here. I'm hoping he loses this weekend because because like you and me both. Yeah, exactly. Because you're a Colts guy too, so he's made your life hell for a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and no matter like how lovable he may look on like State Farm commercials and stuff like that, we're not gonna. He's he's not. You're not doing it for us, Patrick. You're just not. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah, I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, with that, I think for me, the best sports villain, I mean, you, you love to see them get beat. Yes, right? I that think that's, too. I think that's the ultimate thing. Um, there's a lot that I cannot wait to talk about. Uh, and usually like every, it's in basic storytelling, you know, the best heroes come from, uh, it, the best heroes come from, you know, the ones that defeated like these, these popular villains, right? I would dare so say that Joker makes Batman as much as Batman makes Joker. Sure, absolutely. Um, but I feel like Joker and Batman's story intertwines really well. Um, 
Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker, a hero, not only to people who read and read the books, watched the movies, but in his respective lore, uh, a hero because he defeated Darth Vader yes. and the Emperor and brought down the Empire. For me, I think I, you love to see these villains get beat. As great as they are, you love to see them get beat. And in sports, there's so many, and that's why I think this is such a great list. Um, I think there's a lot of characters that I ha- I personally have, but there's also a lot to choose from, and it's based on perspective as well. I think perspective comes a lot into this. But I agree. For me, the ultimate sports villain is somebody who is good at what they do, but also you love to see them when when they lose. Yes, it's just you know, it, it just uh, you're, you you pay. You literally pay. You whether whether it's with your attention, time, or money, you pay. To watch these people lose. Absolutely. So um, so without further ado, let's delve into these things because I feel like a lot of good conversation is going to be sparked from our list. Oh, for um, sure. <laughs> so our top 10 heels in professional sports. Matt, start us off with number 10, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you're going to laugh at this one. I can't wait. All right. So this is probably the most unique one. I highly, 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 there's a 100% chance he's not on your list. All right, I am talking about the bad boy of bowling. His name is Pete Weber, okay? I loved it because he brought attention to professional bowling like no other person ever has. He is the guy who said, who that famous, who do you think you are? I, I am. am. Mm-hmm. That's him. He made me watch. Like, he, his personality of being a douchebag over fucking bowling, pardon my French, made me pay attention to bowling. That is an ultimate, ultimate villain to me. A heel in bowling. Oh, man. But he made it interesting. And that's that's what you got to do. I mean, there, he argued with fans all the time. You know, just this little just Fred. I mean, this dude is five foot seven. All right, I you know I have I make sandwiches bigger than him. Yeah. Okay. And he is the bad guy of bowling. He just retired in 2021. He was on the pros 79 to 2021. He did have drug issues, alcohol issues, all the stuff that um um that you listed. So, uh, yeah. So, wow. All of that. The dark side of bowling. The dark side of we're, bowling. We're gonna see that documentary. And he's accomplished. Soon. This dude is really good. He's uh, let's see. Um, he's 13, uh, let's see, uh, he's played in a bunch of finals, 37 PBA tours, um, you know, just a lot, a lot of accomplished in the world of bowling. Um, he's among the eight players in history to win P- the Pro Bowling Association's Triple Crown, U.S. Open, PBA World Championship, and PBA Tournament of Champions. Uh, so, wow. Yeah, uh, this dude is great. Uh, again, a mouthpiece, and I remember sitting and watching the result when he first did that, and I was like, "Jesus Christ! Like this is bowling." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Pete Weber is my number ten, easy peasy. Um, I'm damn proud of that. Yeah, that's excellent. I love that one. <laughs> and you're right, hundred percent chance he is not on my list. He is absolutely not on my <laughs> I list. I figured he would have been. 
But that's yes. I as soon as you said bowling and Pete Weber, I almost knew where you were going with it. That you said that and it absolutely confirmed it. Yeah, that's the only reason I even have any any knowledge of professional bowling is from watching that gif over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it get put it it, it. it. I mean, just just <clears throat> memed all the time, constantly. There's the they literally do a uh, you know an anniversary thing of it. Like mm. that's how historically famous this is. Yeah. Um. And I felt like I felt sad because I, I watched this dude. He, he bowled his last professional tournament during COVID, so there's no crowd around him. He's bowling at some like senior open thing. There's nobody there, and um, it was just like a depressing way to go out. It's just and again, I know it's bowling. Just talking trash to an empty arena. I mean, I get it. It's bowling and stuff, but it's the way the dude went out. It was like it was kind of sad. Yeah. It, it should have been. It should have been a round of applause. I'm sure like people legit love him for for being a villain. For sure. For sure. Uh, how can you not? Especially with like that kind of spunk that that dude has. That's awesome. <laughs> um, my number 10, I'm going to call the John Cena of this list. Because he's a heel without meaning to be a heel. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Of course. Our peak Cena era, for um, those non-wrestling fans out there, John Cena was an, a babyface his entire career. And about halfway through... Everybody got sick of it, and they just wanted him to be a bad guy, and they wanted him to stop winning the belt, and he they booed him mercilessly just for him being him and just for him doing the job and trying to be a company man, and that is why Russell Wilson comes in as my number 10 for my top 10 heels in sports. Listen, man. <laughs> If he's not coming in as part of the fun of this football season this year for me was watching him fail every week and watching what analysts were saying to rip him apart. Oh, yeah. The man had so few passing touchdowns this year for for having a $250 million deal. Money that you and I will never even think of. In our lifetime, we can hope to have a drop of that. He pulled the biggest heist in NFL history. <laughs> that man pulled the biggest heist in NFL history. It's pretty bad. It, horrible. To the point where his teammates were hating him, both on the Seahawks and the Broncos. Yeah. Got so much hate from all those sides this year. The head coach fired this year right yeah but he but there was a scapegoat right there needed to be a scapegoat that guy is going to the Jets, so he may like paul Heyman it and produce another heel over there next season he might, like, hit. He, might. He, he really might uh but man that was the guy everybody this season loved to hate more than anything i've never seen a quarterback in one season that's gotten more hate than brady more hate than Dak, more hate than any of those guys out there. The just, spotlight was on him just trying to do his job. The poor man was just trying to do his job this season, and he was abysmal at it, and that's the only reason why he is hated. I, right. I think the, the – I don't – if he wasn't such like – oh, like – Oh man! He How seems, do I word this? He if seems he like he's living in a bubble. Correct. Almost. He lives a fantasy life. Yes. Like it's, he's a gimmick. Yes. Right. He does the. He's walking around. He's doing fake high fives and uh, high knees on an airplane to England and uh, just <laughs> all, all this other stuff. It's like Jesus. Like 
what is going on? That that's why. Yeah. Because I, I mean, dude, if he was playing great, if he won the Super Bowl this year, nobody would say a thing. Nobody would say he would be great. Thing. It would probably be even more obnoxious next year. Mm-hmm. But you can't do this stuff and you know, Broncos country. Let's ride and uh, like it become this this gimmick and and you know it, it not do good. You can't do all this stuff. Your team three and. And all like you can't do all that, brag about all that, and then play like dog shit like all dog year. Shit. Like do dog shit, like dog shit, absolute like. And then had the nerve to keep saying that at the end of the press conference. Yeah. Let's ride. He waited till he won, and they said it. He stopped for like a game or two, then they won, and he's he's like, oh, Broncos country, let's ride. And he Man. walked away, and like he's gonna be one of the biggest heels of all time for he could for be Broncos fans he could be I think so they're jaded right now dude I watched him and the Colts go to overtime and week four five yeah go to overtime the score was like nine to nine that was awful and it was terrible and fans were leaving they were so sick of it mm-hmm. they were fed up they're like really this is what we get this nine, is our two hundred fifty million dollar quarterback. It might have been that's like, a baseball game. Might have been yeah, I think the final score was like twelve to nine. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I remember that game this season. But yeah, so I get it. That's a good one. B- big old heist. And it's not it's something I heard a lot uh that was said this year is like it, you know as a football guy, John Elway is adored in Denver. Yeah. Adored. Adored. And it's because he was always in the locker room, he was always with his guys, he's always, you know, making those connections on his team so that when he failed, his guys would ride for him. But if they failed, too, he would ride for his guys. That's how it was. Russell is not getting any help in in the locker room. He's no. just not. So he's he's a heel even with a, within his own unit. That's that's what's crazy about this pick on the list. And he just seems like this nice like businessman type of dude. I yeah. He unfortunately like that's the weird thing with the NFL is that. Uh, it's not just about winning. At least, I mean, most people they want to see the winning, but the the people within it, it's like, oh, how can I expand my money? This is a business first, not so much being the best version of myself. Yeah, as a as an athlete, as a player, how can I get people right? He's married to he's he's married to Sierra, so his life's a whole gimmick. Like it's it's all about entertainment. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he lands as my number ten for being the John Cena of all sports leagues. That's right fair. Now. I yeah. think that's a good one. Yeah, I think that's a great one. All right, on to our number nines. Matt. Uh, my number nine is a guy who did play a little bit, but he's mostly notorious for running his mouth and boistering his sons. Uh, I'll never forget the summer of LeVar of Le- of of Ball. Oh, man. This dude. Every time we turn on the, the damn computer, right, or your phone, you go on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it was, he said something even more outrageous than the previous day. I could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, right? <laughs> I was like, you lost me there. I, I, Stephen A. Smith is a loud mouth, and even I was rooting for Stephen A. Smith when those two went back and forth. Charles Barkley hates him. I think Shaq would just laugh at him. <laughs> uh, just He was just such a goon. He was a terrible, yes. like, just terrible, terrible, not great player. But I will say this. I, I, I don't hate that a dad went out there and bolstered up his sons, right? I don't hate that. I think I think it's a one of the greatest things you could do as a parent is 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 bolster up your son and put him, you know, just your sons and and and, and give them all the confidence of the world. Hmm. But you can't do it at the expense of 
other people, especially when like you've accomplished nothing. His like, it was all again to like big baller brand, right? To sell his shirts, his his clothing line, yeah, big baller brand. You know, that's what we do, and, and all that. You know, it unfortunately it came at the expense of his kids. Yeah, all three of them. All their names start with L. I I, I think uh, Lamelo. There might be a Lamar and Lonzo, right? Lonzo yeah, ball. Yeah, like, it, it, like I, I've, but it, they all suffered from it because their dad wouldn't shut up. And that's the unfortunate thing about Lavar Ball is that I mean, listen, I think his his, his kids are playing all right. I think there's one down in Charlotte that's doing pretty good. Um, I don't follow basketball enough, but Lavar Ball had my attention on the NBA for a little while and watching and just wanting this dude to get shut up. Unfortunately, he couldn't get shut up personally, right? Nobody, Michael Jordan couldn't go and dunk on him or whatnot. But it came at the expense of his kids who were actually really, really talented and probably didn't want any of it. They were way more quiet than him. But uh, LeVar Ball is, is my number nine. Man, I actually forgot about him. Like that that whole summer of him just not shutting his damn mouth that whole dude. I I when I was playing WWE video games, I found a Lavar Ball create a superstar on community creations and I downloaded him. And he was I had him in a match with like a bunch of politicians, Elmo, Santa Claus, and it was the greatest thing. Greatest Incredible. thing. Just, Incredible. Yeah. So good. So, yeah, LeVar Ball, my number nine. I love it. Um, this is my only wrestling inclusion on this list, okay. and I really needed to find somebody um, who really embodied the real-life heel persona. And I I already told you this a little bit when we were chatting, but uh, my number nine is going to be none other than John Bradshaw Layfield, JBL himself. This man, when I started watching wrestling, he was the uh, WWE champion, and he was the biggest heel in the company. He pissed everybody off. He was grimy winning his matches. Like, he would always uh, be sneakily winning in some way until Cena finally got the belt off of him. Played a great heel his whole career. And then you get done with his career, and you realize it's probably because he wasn't far off from his real-life persona uh, while he was in that gimmick. He constantly bullied people backstage, uh, made tons of superstars quit, made announcers quit. There was that yeah. whole very famous thing with Mauro Ronaldo when uh, when he was uh, still working for the WWE. Man, JBL was a dick. He was so bad to everybody. Any wrestler's court case I've ever heard that's involved him, it's like been him just shouting at whoever is back there. There's stories of there's that notorious story of him stiffing the Blue Meanie um, during ECW One Night Stand where he uh, really busted him open. Yeah. He was just hitting him with um, potatoing him and giving him like actual punches. And then Blue Meanie getting his uh, receipt in on SmackDown a few weeks later, which that whole thing seemed so random at the time when I was a kid because I had no idea about any of that. Right. And then all of a sudden, the the Blue World Order is showing up on a SmackDown to randomly wrestle JBL. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then you realize those those things and like what he did to people and like all the shit he talked he just talked so much shit so much. him goose stepping in germany 
you know about that oh, incident yep. when they were on the tour in Germany and he goose stepped out. And that that was just freaking awful. Uh, his whole um, anti-Mexican thing where he was border patrol when he was feuding with Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> yeah, there, I, there's some throwbacks I shouldn't for be laughing at that, but it was like as, when you look at it from a character perspective, it's goofy. It's so goofy. And so over, like just so... <laughs> But it it was a good job of making him hate it. Yeah, he did he did his job as a heel. He did not get cheered at all for the remainder of his career. Yeah, like that's how good of a job of his character was. But he really was a douchebag. He you really hear backstage was. stuff all the time. Yeah, and like more still comes out about. Yeah, he was a dick to me when I was back. Yeah, he yeah. was a dick to me. Like, yeah, because right, he was doing commentary, and then I think all that bullying stuff came out, and they yep. kind of cut him. So. Yeah. Yeah, they did. He left. He left on his own terms. But yeah. um, he really embodied that. I I could pick Hogan for a lot of reasons. Oh, there's yeah. there's a lot of reasons that Hulk Hogan could be the biggest like real life wrestling heel of all time. It could be a, like you know all the monopolizing he did of like merchandising rights and things like that. Like how obscene his WCW contract was when he was over there. You know, it could be uh, all the times that he was like. Yeah, I'm I'm not comfortable with this and like change the ending to a match on the fly. Yeah. The whole thing with Bret Hart where Yokozuna won the title and then he came out and Bret was like, No, you go with the belt now. Like yeah. it's your time. You. All right, thanks for stealing my moment. Man, yeah. horrible, horrible booking with that. But he somehow he still doesn't reach the level to me that Bradshaw did. Because Bradshaw was just he's just such a notoriously known dick. He's just the worst type of dude to have around. Uh, you you don't hear even like I know Orton was a hothead in his younger days, but Randy Orton is so chilled out now as he as a human out. being. He mellowed out big time. Like ever since he met his wife and like has his kids to look at, I I feel like he's a whole different person. Like and and sometimes you need that shift, but I don't know if JBL just like overplayed the persona to the point where he thought he was it, but didn't work out so well for him. Right. So he lands as my number nine and my only pro wrestling entry on this list. All right. I like it. I like it. Thank you, sir. All right. For my number eight, I'm going with, uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with him, uh, Dano, but uh, you are familiar with his kids. Uh, It's just a football one. Okay. It's my first football. No, did I do? No, it's my first football. It's your first football. Uh, so this is the father of Rex and Rob Ryan. His name is Buddy Ryan. All right. Uh, and he was notorious. He was one of the best defensive coordinators of all time. But unfortunately with that, uh, with being one of the hardest hitting uh, defensive guys, coordinators of all time, he was a dick. Hmm. Um People hated this man and uh, because of what he did. So uh, to paint a picture for you, the 85 Bears team that ended up winning the Super Bowl, um, Mike Ditka was the offensive-minded guy. Buddy Ryan was the defense. Those two units were separate from each other. I know a lot of people kind of think, oh, it's a team, right? A lot of people think that the, the teams really mesh good, but the Chicago Bears defense and offense for years were super divided. Um, where it, they would just, they wouldn't, you know, the defense over here, offense over here, we don't interact much mm-hmm. aside from playing um, and socializing. Uh, Buddy Ryan threw chairs, uh, threw a, a ra- a chalkboard racers. There was one time Mike Ditka walked into a offensive, or excuse me, a defensive meeting, 
And he goes, I want to know what's going on in here. You know, because it's his team. He's the head coach. And Buddy Ryan said, some along the lines of, get out of my, get out of here. This is my, this is my team. And he threw a chalkboard eraser <laughs> at him. Jesus. Um, so there was that. Uh, you know, amongst other things, he punched. He was an assistant coach in Houston, and he punched another coach by the name of Kevin Gilbride. I think he was the defensive coordinator in Houston, and he punched the other coach because his offense could, couldn't extend plays. Uh, the offense couldn't extend plays, so the defense was on the field all the time getting gassed out, and he couldn't necessarily do his job. So he punched the offensive coordinator uh, in the face. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that Buddy Ryan has done. He is deceased. Rest in peace. But um, but he was a notorious villain. I remember, I think it was the Chiefs and Oilers in 1994. I think it was 93 or 94. It was Joe Montana's last season. I remember somebody scored a touchdown, and they threw it right at a, a giant poster, like cloth, like spray, spray, art thing mm-hmm. they whipped it right at it and it had buddy ryan's face on there's been a, i mean so many other instances um about him but uh but buddy ryan a notorious villain him and you know he had coached philadelphia and just just uh yeah he was he was something so is that one of the reasons that like rex and rob got so much hate too like they got generational hate based on him well they acted just like him yeah that's true and they incorporated it, like a lot of th- like he, they did it here in buffalo but his Buddy basically created the forty-six defense, um, or some people call it the four-six defense, and it was great for back in the day, but it doesn't work too well. And from what I recall, Rex tried instituting it here in um, in Buffalo. That's kind of what mm. he used. But uh, there is an interesting thing: this dude was so stubborn. So the only loss that the eighty-five Bears took was against the uh, Miami Dolphins. It was Monday night football game, and uh, he ran this 46 defense, which is really good at punishing the quarterback. Uh, they want to take the quarterback out of the game. That was Barty Ryan's thing. Take the quarterback out of the game so it makes it easier and they can't win. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was going up against Dan Marino, who was great. And I think he threw for 5,000 yards. Oh, that wasn't that year, but he was a great passer. They're like, buddy, you got to stop blitzing because he's just burning you on – Dan's just burning you on everything, right? Just burning you on it. He's hitting these guys. They're, they're going up on us, and he would not change his defense. And the Bears would have been per, probably perfect that year mm-hmm. if Buddy Ryan hadn't been so stubborn wow. and, and mixed it up. So, um, But, yeah, so that's Buddy Ryan in a nutshell. Uh, there's plenty of him on YouTube and, and whatever if anybody wants to look him up. But uh, that is my number eight. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into some of the lore that explains. He's a character. Yeah his character a little bit more. Um, All right, so my number eight, he's not necessarily, now I would say, he's not necessarily the biggest heel in all of professional sports, but I have to pay him homage on this list because he started something in the UFC that um, was carried on by some of the people that are further up on this list. I am talking about, of course, the bad guy, Chael Sonnen. He is one of not only the best UFC fighters, in my opinion, that never won a belt, uh, but his trash talk was unmatched. 
at first he was very quiet, very humble, kind of like soft-spoken, and then he opened his mouth to start cutting promos probably around the time that he was really, really lining up against Anderson Silva, and he was absolute gold on the mic. This man would cut the most scathing promos towards people. Uh the my my most notorious one that I remember is when after he lost to Silva the first time, he fought uh, a guy named Brian Stan who ended up uh, commentating for the UFC a lot more uh, the next couple of years. And he gets on the mic afterwards. Joe Rogan comes in to interview him, and he gets on the mic. And the first words out of his mouth are. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. <laughs> immediately got the whole crowd riled up. That immediately uh, challenges him to a rematch and says, if I beat you, you leave the division. If you beat me, I will leave the UFC forever. One of those, the first guy to really bring that pro wrestling style into sells fights. I, I have I have some of my my favorite quotes of his pulled up right now. Yeah, please. Um, this is when uh, the Nogueira brothers, who used to uh, coach Anderson Silva and train him, this is him talking about them at a press conference. Was I was in Las Vegas with the Nogueira brothers' first touchdown in America. There was a bus. This is a true story. There was a bus that pulled up to a red light, and Little Nog tried to feed it a carrot while Big Nog was petting it. He thought it was a horse. This really happened. He tried feeding the bus a carrot, and now you're telling me this country has computers? I didn't know that. Exactly. So then this is this is my absolute favorite one that he's ever done. And this is calling out that the axe murderer Vanderlei Silva. He said, listen, Vanderlei, I will do a home invasion on you. I will cut the power to your house. And the next thing you'll hear is me climbing up your stairs in a pair of night vision goggles. I bought at the back of Soldier of Fortune magazine. I'll pick the lock to your master door. Take a picture of you in bed with the Nogara brothers working on your jujitsu. I'll take said quote-unquote photograph, post it at dorksfrombrazil.com, password not required, username not required. That, Vanderlei, is how you threaten someone, dummy. Another favorite quote of mine I watched today, and it was <laughs> at his press conference with Tito Ortiz, who famously dated Jenna Jameson for a very long time, and he said... Uh, and he said, Tito likes to talk about uh, the, how I write checks with my mouth I can't cash. The only person I know that's used their mouth for money is his ex-wife. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. Was the first one to really get under your skin. Someone from the UFC that I will get to later on this list is a bigger heel than him and only succeeded so well as a heel because Chael took it and passed the baton to him so he could go running with it. Interesting. But Chael P., the original bad guy, the guy who was a minute and 30 seconds away from ending Anderson Silva's streak before Chris Weidman finally did it, that man made my list as the bad guy at number eight. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. You know I that story too, right? That man had Anderson Silva beat in a five-round title fight. Took him down for four and a half rounds. 90 seconds left in the fight. Anderson throws up a Hail Mary triangle choke. And got him. Got him. Hmm. 
lost the fight for a whole 24, uh, 23 minutes and 30 seconds. That's crazy. Yeah. I do remember, I mean, I'm not the biggest UFC guy, but I do remember hearing about Chael Sonnen uh, quite a bit. Oh, he's the man. I'll I'll be sending you videos of some Please of his do. best I do quotes. enjoy it. I do have, like, I do technically have two. I I do have two UFC guys on this list. Excellent. Um, so we'll be definitely getting to that momentarily. Awesome. Um, so I'm excited to follow that up. Yeah. Shout out Chael P because he's one of my favorites ever. Okay. I was at. Uh, I did go to GSP's uh, gym in. Oh, Tristano Morella in Canada. Oh yeah, and GSP wasn't there. I was sad, but it was oh, really man. cool. That those two like went into business together. You know, someone I was looking at a couple lists of like big big heels, and GSP was on there, and I don't agree with that whatsoever. No, I think GSP is one of the most wholesome athletes has ever. Say, one of the most sport. beloved. Yeah, uh, dude, what a name. Yeah, what a name he was. Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, all right, on to our number sevens on this list. Matt, number seven. All right, so my number seven is, I think he's a guy who has seven Super Bowl rings. Head coach Bill Belichick ah. uh, is my number seven. All right, so uh, the head coach, the leader of the famous Patriots dynasty, right? Like how great was the Patriots dynasty? A lot of people didn't like it. I appreciated it. And mm. it just... It worked hand in hand, um, him and Tom Brady, uh, but he was the he was the the guy he was the guy. And then when things went well, he was he still wasn't happy, right? Mm-hmm. Regular season wins didn't matter to him. It was about championships, rings. Uh, when he lost, he was short with media, right? You wanted an answer out of him, you know, it, you weren't gonna get it. So. I I loved the one. He lost the game. I think it was like 2014 or maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. And the reporters kept asking him a question. What do you think of today's game? On to Cincinnati. Something else, something else, something else. On to Cincinnati. And just kept pressing him, and that's all he did. And he became notorious for these interviews, right? These just these short sighted, these short talked interviews. So, um, so yeah, Bill Belichick has to be on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you out coached his team. Somehow you were in Super Bowl conversation, yeah, which is really cool. Um, that's how meticulous to detail he was, and that's how great of a you know just how great of a coach he was. So still is, is. still I, is. He still is a great coach. It's weird looking at him differently now, right? Because you play the Patriots like, oh wow, we have a chance, right? Uh, some people still, some people look at him in a different light, but he is he's managed to be competitive despite the team not being where it was. Absolutely. Four years ago, and and it's not like he necessarily has a bad team. He's not coaching the Texans right now. He's coaching a a team who was a contender up until their last game of the season. Correct. You know, like he's not coaching bad. I think that's what people are missing right now with Belichick is that it as and this is coming from a Bills guy too. And I like I can't stand Belichick because of like all the success he's had in a good way. Like just from like a like damn he's good perspective, right? Um. But he, you know, he was having so much success at a point in time that he's held to that standard now. And you forget that great coaches can be great coaches not winning a Super Bowl all the time still. Like it, like that happened. Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's the same way. Everybody he's, loves Mike Tomlin. Right. And the, and the Steelers are hot and cold every season for the most part. Yeah. But he's still so beloved. So, like, he, he's in that same category, I feel like, for me. Agreed. I mean, look at Andy Reid, right? He doesn't win all the time. He did, he's he been to four Super Bowls, I think, in his lifetime. 
mm-hmm. I think maybe three. I, I I'm not sure the exact number. You know, it's been a long stint with the Eagles where he won all the time, but he didn't win the big one. Yes, but still like respected, beloved, and 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 known as a good coach. So, mm. um, and that's kind of where Bill Belichick. I mean, Bill Belichick. He, he has the rings to prove it. And yes, he's, he could go down as. Still, he's ready to roll for next year, so uh, I think he's aiming. I don't know if he has the all-time wins. <sighs> he's got to be close if he doesn't. He's got to be close. I know he just passed George Hallis this year, but Don Shula has the most. Um, winningest NFL head coaches. <sighs> he's also like standing at the sidelines looking like, like Emperor Palpatine <laughs> half the time with his hood up and shit. He looks like the ultimate heel coach. That's what? your general on the other side of the battle lines that you're uh, like, ah, that's that grimy dude. Well, I thought he passed Hallis this year, but according to Wikipedia, that is not the thing. I'd have to uh, double check, but Don Shula has 328. So um, so I think that's what Bill Belichick wants to do to, to kind of really just, just icing on the cake of his legacy. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that's what he wants to do. I agree. So, while while we're on the football talk, um, let let's keep it going for number seven to somebody who sits on the sidelines but doesn't do quite as much as Bill Belichick does. So there are a lot of announcers that I was thinking of to like consider for this oh, no. list, or like analysts and things like that. <laughs> and I've had a love hate relationship with a lot of people. Skip Bayless gets on my nerves every once in a while. Yeah. He did this thing this year where uh, Shannon Sharp was kind of ripping Tom Brady. It was after the 49ers game. Yeah. And Skip said something to him about, uh, you're just jealous because Tom Brady's a better player now than you were when you retired or something like And, like, just said shit that, like, why did you say that to him? You did not have to do the, like, purposely poking the bear and getting under his skin. So, like him, Nick Wright, who, like, my God, oh, he is yeah. sticky. My God, that guy is sticky. But you know what? I've When you look past his shtick and you listen to the analysis that he has, he's a freaking good analyst. Yes. He is a very, very good analyst. That's why, like, even when the Bills win or the Bills lose, I listen to what he has to say about them because he's on to something a lot of the time. But there's one man who will kiss ass blatantly, good, bad, or ugly, no matter what, and that man is Chris Collinsworth. This is the most insufferable prick on the entire planet. <laughs> this guy, every year, I hear him go on about Patrick Mahomes this, Patrick Mahomes that, and like tying him into every single game that doesn't have to even do with Patrick Mahomes. It could be like the the freaking Texans playing I know I'm using them a lot this year, this episode for some reason, but they were a bad team this year. It could be the Texans versus like the Lions. It'd be like, well, you know, if Patrick were playing for this team right now, he'd elevate them to a higher level or like some stupid shit like that. You know he would. You know he'd be doing that. And <laughs> last week he threw this terrible like he was getting uh, he was getting sacked on the play, I think, and he threw this terrible forward pass that just like, and they showed a replay of it. Um, Dave uh, Portnoy from Barstool even pointed it out. 
he it's like this terrible like forward pass and Collinsworth goes that was a heck of a play by Mahomes like heck of a play he didn't do anything (laughs) dude he did nothing he did absolutely nothing (laughs) like man man it's it's the 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 blatant bias that he shows and has shown for years is unbearable. I cannot stand this dude. There's like Joe Buck, who I also can't stand, but like that's also when he announces I more can't stand him for baseball because I feel like he needs to just stop touching that. Let people who are actual baseball commentators, you know what they do during the World Series, what they should do is because they flip um, stadiums, you go to a couple, you start off with home field advantage if you're in a certain position, and then, like, you move to the other stadium. Yeah, it's like 2-2-1-1. Yeah, they should have the the home team's typical TV broadcast announcers announce the games for those ones. Because that's their team. Yeah. That's their team doing that. Right. Like, they they deserve to be doing that. I get contracts, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever. You could figure that out in the postseason. Like, you could get that done. Collinsworth isn't supposed to be for a particular team. And cheers one on every single week like he has a family member invested. I know. It's it's bad, man. It's bad. Bias commentary is not great. It takes you out of it. It takes you out of it. And sometimes it makes you feel like, oh, the— Football's fixed. It makes you think. It makes you think those things. Romo does that once in a while. He'll do it like I like Romo a lot, but he has gotten worse. He's he's gotten bad. He'll do it for the Bills some weeks. He'll do it against them some weeks. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? The when he first started, he was really good because I learned something from him. Like, uh, and I, I just I, I I adored Tony Romo, but he just got he's gotten pretty he's gotten pretty bad. Yeah. But, for for a guy who wasn't that great of a quarterback, I know. Like, why are you criticizing so much? <laughs> I know, I know. He's mind boggling. Yeah, it's an enigma, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Collinsworth had to be my announcer pick for this one. That's it, a good one. It's gotten brutal. It's gotten real brutal yeah. with him, man. I and I think it. the whole country feels the same now. Yeah. No. I, I yeah, trust me. I, I tried to put up a Chris Collinsworth appreciation post one time, just because the player, because he was pretty good. He played in I think two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. um, and everyone's like, "What? Why?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Fuck, man! Like the player, not the announcer. Like, yeah, we can't stand Chris Collinsworth. We hate him. Like, all right, I guess I'll never post that one again. Yeah. So, oh my god. So there's that. So bad. All right, dude. Top six. Who you got at number six? Oh, tricky, tricky, tricky. This is a tough bet. You know what? I'll put this guy here. So this is one of my two UFC guys, uh, but he's also a WWE performer. My only pro wrestling guy, but I wouldn't have put him in this list if he wasn't such a heel and other stuff that he did. Uh, I'm putting Brock Lesnar at number six. Knew it. I love him to death. And I I, honestly, for me, in some instances, I think he, he could be a two. He could be a one. He is... Oh, he's incredible! I, like I literally, lo- I love Brock Lesnar's entire body of work. Brock Lesnar had me watching UFC for a couple years. Mm-hmm. A couple years, I was buying the DVDs. Right, I was watching all the DVDs uh, that Brock Lesnar had a fight night because I loved Brock Lesnar growing up. He was the guy when I first started watching wrestling again. Yes, and he, now he's in UFC. I get to see him a little bit. What's he gonna do? Right, we know his wrestling pedigree, and we know. Um, 
He's just a freak athlete He's just a freak in general. Athlete. Great heel in in pro wrestling. All right, great. Pro, I have to illustrate that he he is like because he's dominant. You know what I mean? He he's one of the guys who they can talk shit and back it up. And a lot of heels in wrestling can't get away with doing that. Yeah, but I think that's why Brock is so beloved now. He's actually a really good dude too. He's he's come around quite a bit. I seen somebody they they said they were a big fan. And he, like a, a younger Brock would have been like, "Yeah, hey, get away from me." But now he's, you know that. But dude, Brock in the UFC, he brought all of that to a whole other level. People loved like he was the most one of the most divisive like UFC champions of all time. I think when he won the belt, he talked about drinking another brand's beer because something else the the, the UFC brand's beer didn't sponsor so didn't pay him was, shit. Yeah, he's gonna get on top of his wife <laughs> and all this stuff. Dude, Brock was great. I I love Brock Lesnar for that's, everything he was. That's the best and post fight interview of all time. And he was fired. So that one in particular, that was at UFC 100. And he was all fired up because he had just beaten Frank Mir, who right. tapped who tapped him the, yes. in his first UFC fight. Yep. <laughs> and first he says Frank Mir had a horseshoe up his ass. I pulled it out, beat him over the head with it. And then, like you said, he's like, "I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna drink a Coors Light." That's Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay me nothing. And hell, I might even get on top of my wife tonight. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> and then they made him apologize at the press conference and, <laughs> and all that jazz. But, um, but yeah, they, dude, Brock is great. I love Brock the person. Uh, I was excited when he came back to wrestling. It was it was mind-blowing. Um it was like seeing Star Wars on the big screen again, even though the new trilogy disappointed me. That story for another day, but you know what I mean. Like, like mm-hmm. Brock went away from wrestling, went to UFC, and then he came back. Yeah. And the and what I meant by my my analogy was Star Wars. We thought we were done. Went away, came back de- a decade and some change later. So that's it. I I worship Brock Lesnar. He's if we did a favorite athletes list, I was just gonna say that he'd probably be probably on my top ten. One or two. Yeah, I think so. This is this is the only thing that really tarnishes uh, him for me that you left off of this. I know. I think I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> so UFC 200, they bring him in as a huge surprise yeah. because he was on UFC 100. They announce it like a month before um, that the card's supposed to take place. Which was very strange because you're supposed to be in the testing pool for like a good amount of time before you go and fight again. Yeah. And when they test, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Like it's public knowledge that people are entering this testing pool. And it seemed very, very kind of sus. So they bring him in. He fought Mark Hunt, um, beat him by decision. He kind of just uh, out wrestled him for most of the fight. Yeah. Man, on his post-fight test, he he pissed hotter than Mordor. Yeah, <laughs> that dude pissed for, hot for so many things. And poor Mark Hunt has had to deal with all these guys that he was facing on his way out that were popping for PEDs left and right. Right. And I, he just, like, it became a whole... He sued the UFC over it. As he should have. Yeah, yeah, because they kind of just swept it under the rug a little bit. Right. Yeah, yeah they wanted to sell it. They did this cross-promotion thing and sell it and get it. I get it. I, I get it, too. Get it. I get it, too. But, like, they shouldn't have... They can't scapegoat people with that, no. you know? That's not fair to them. And Mark Hunt, yeah, <laughs> suffered from it, so... Yeah. I agree. But, yes, uh, that's why I put, uh, Brock is my number six. So I love it. number six. So, originally for my number six, 
Um, I had LeBron James on, on here, but I'm going to take him off, and this is why. I'm going to replace him with someone who I know a little better and I, I know deserves to be on this a little bit more. LeBron got a lot of hate early in his career, and I think now he's proved himself to the point where you're like, yeah, okay. Like, and not like from a cockiness thing. He's not as cocky nearly as he was anymore. Right. Now he's like the seasoned guy who's like, I'm just trying to get my son in and like, that's it. But this man played for a, a, like three different teams and won a ring with all of them. That's true. Lakers, he won, he, Lakers, Lakers, Cavs. Lakers, yep. Heat, and Cavs and won a ring with all of them. To the point where you're like, God damn, this dude is good. Like, he's passionate because he cares. The same way I can't uh, criticize Stefan Diggs for the leaving the locker room early the other day, which everyone made a big deal about, the dude's a baller. Like, he's he gets upset when he loses. Like, he's in a big game situation, and he's he's upset like that. And I feel like a lot of LeBron's heat comes from being caught up in the moment saying, and he, but he's also not, like, tearing people down and shit, too. Right. I don't hear a lot of stories of that from him. No, he's he's... <clears throat> Been silent. He says some stuff on Twitter that gets under my nerves a lot. Just, just stuff he shit. Sure. I, I don't agree. Like he, his his commentary is just way off on certain things. But, mm-hmm. um, but as far as like playing basketball and such, I think he's been mostly quiet. I agree. Um, so I'm gonna my number six is gonna be someone who deserves it more. And I realize I don't have any female entries on my list too. So this checks that box for me. Um, I have never seen a sore loser. In sports, bigger than Ronda Rousey. Oh, I love her. I listen, yeah, but I know. What listen, you mean. Matt, I love her to death. My UFC introduction, the second time coming in, because I consider myself a fan at UFC 181, which was Robbie Lawler versus Johnny Hendricks too. That's when I consider myself like a full time fan. Where I was really like, okay, I'm watching all the cards. I'm watching the pay-per-views. I'm watching like all this. Like the DC John Jones feud sucked me in. We will talk about that a little okay. bit later. Um, but at the time, there's this female athlete named Ronda Rousey who has a bronze medal in jiu-jitsu who is tearing through at the women's MMA right now, tearing through Strike Force, which was Scott Coker's first promotion before um, he had Bellator. Then gets to the UFC as the inaugural bantamweight champ. Almost loses it to, uh, oh my God, Liz Carmouche in her first fight. Um, gets it, gets the arm bar, starts this whole legacy of just battering these uh, these other competitors. You know, you have uh, Sarah McMahon that she beat in like 30 seconds. You have uh, Beth Cohale who she beat in like 19. She's smoking her competition. Then you get to the Ultimate Fighter season. This is before um, the Beth and Sarah McMahon, I believe. But you get to the Ultimate Fighter season where she's ready to uh, match up with Misha Tate for the second time. And you really start to see the side of Rousey that's like in your face and really like an asshole and really bitchy and really like intentions were high that whole season because that is like they were mortal enemies. Right. That is that's their that's their rival. That's their rival in that even though Misha never got hers in. Um and then you get the second fight in the UFC Misha takes her um longer than anyone ever took her in the UFC. She, they get to round three she submits Misha. Misha gets up to shake her hand. Rousey walks away. Yeah, I don't like that. I didn't like that one bit. 
then the Holly Holm fight happens where they're at the face-off the day before and Rousey gets in her face and then shoves her and then starts saying, like, she's fake. She's putting on this whole fake person routine. I'm going to expose that tomorrow. Like, nobody's in my league doing this. What, meanwhile, on the side, she's talking about, like, boxing Floyd Mayweather, which was ridiculous when you look back at it at this time. Absolutely ridiculous idea that these people had. Um, then the unthinkable happens, and Holly Holm hits the head kick hurt around the world. Not only hits that kick, but dominates Rousey that entire time. That entire, entire time. And Rousey hides for a very long time. Then gets on Ellen, talks about how she was having suicidal thoughts after this whole thing, all that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Comes back a year later, fights Nunes, loses even quicker. Doesn't say a word about it. Doesn't own up, doesn't say a word. Quietly goes to the WWE and is never heard from again. Yeah. Part of winning gracefully is losing gracefully. And by the end of her career, she wasn't winning gracefully either. There wasn't a lot she was doing that had a lot of like pride and humil- and humility behind it. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of it. Do I think she found a great spot in WWE? Yeah. Do I think her run might be over with that? That's a whole other thing that like we Is could she still we with could them? Dive. She's out of the Royal Rumble they just announced. So why? I don't Did think they say she, why? No, but I don't think she's coming back. Ah. Um I, I I think she'll find her place in other combat sport related things. Um, not to mention her coach in combat sports, Edmund Tarverdian, is one of the worst coaches that's ever come through the UFC. That dude has little to no great credentials and talked so much shit about how good Rousey's boxing was. Right. And and just like how that there's there's a very famous thing that you'll hear in MMA sometimes and it's head movement, head movement. Because that's what he's screaming to Ronda Rousey during the Amanda Nunes fight when she is getting her head beat. He's going, head movement, head movement, head movement. That's all he's saying. All he's saying. It's awful. It's so bad. Um and and yeah, she and when people confront her about it too, I remember a TMZ interview that she did that like someone asked her about the fights and she got really hostile to them about it. Really hostile. Talk about it. I love hearing fighters open up about how they lost. Absolutely. Some of the best interviews in any sport have come from a loss that people that people go to a press conference after and they just go off and they're real open about the loss. And it's, there's there's a respect level to that, right? Ronda lost that. Lost that big. And it's it's crazy now because Amanda Nunes is the she's the goat. She's looked at as the goat. She's unequivocally the goat. Like the she's the goat of women's mixed martial arts. Right. It could have been Ronda. But it could yeah. have been Ronda. Right. It really could have. With the right training, the right uh ability, it could have been her. Even her mom talked about how much she hated that coach. Like she did did nothing for them. Right. And now she's almost a footnote. She's the woman who started it all. But she's not the goat. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That attitude, that'll do it. Yeah. That will do it. And it sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. It, it Sports evolve like that, and you get to see that side of people, and it, it sucks, but she had to end up on this list. She really did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have to expect it. I almost put her on mine out of love and respect, but I get it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. So, all right. Very good. I Thanks, know Top five. Top five, baby. Let's go. All right, let's roll. So my number five, going back to football, um, this man is one of the most talented wide receivers in NFL history. One of the most talented wide receivers in NFL history. However, he does not have a ring. And that's not his fault, not directly, but I love the fact that he doesn't have a ring because this guy is a historically a locker room cancer, and I'm talking about Terrell Owens. There he is. Um, you know, just, just I love me some me, right? Great showman. <laughs> a, a great, a fantastic showman. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic showman. Great player. But this dude just knew how to just rile up everybody. He didn't get along with everybody, right? This dude went from playing with Steve Young and all that. Steve Young, and then he went to Jeff Garcia, who was, I get it, not Steve Young, but he he would publicly trash his quarterback, right? Publicly trashed him. Went to Philadelphia. Had a a solid couple years with with the Eagles. But him and Donovan McNabb did not get along because Terrell Owens would not stop running his mouth. Mm-hmm. And this was a continuous trend and continuous trend and continuous trend. And the dude's just ego has just been massive. Just over time, he was miffed that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he maybe he should have been, right? Probably, you know, I, I would say he probably should have been first ballot Hall of Famer. But then he gets in his second year. And instead of receiving it at the uh, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the rest of his people, he went somewhere else and, and had the ceremony there, received his bust. It just never stopped with Terrell Owens. And um, there's few people who I like. De- I'm delighted to see not and you can call me a hater or whatever, but uh, <laughs> to not win a Super Bowl ring and Terrell Owens is probably at the top. Of the I don't list. think he deserved it. I don't think he deserved it. It's hard to say who deserves it. I mean, fucking Antonio Brown has one now. Like, I wanted to put him on on this list, too, but he also probably has CTE. Uh, Terrell Owens, on the other hand, it was all a gimmick from day one. All a gimmick from day one. You know, I'll never forget watching him. Yeah, he got a touchdown in Dallas, and he ran. Instead of just celebrating the end zone, run to the sideline, he went over and spiked, ran to the center of the field, spiked the ball, did a little dance on the Dallas Cowboys logo mm-hmm. in the middle of the field. I'm like, what the fuck? What is this shit? Somebody, he started a fight. Some One of the Dallas Cowboys players ended up tackling him and whatnot because he, he did it a second time. And it was just, just so unnecessary. Made you love to watch him, though. Like, made you want to tune in and see what he would do next and also made you want to just see him lose and just watch him cry. So... That's how I feel about Terrell Owens. He's my number five uh, sport heel. Um, I, I mean, hated, this, yeah, I hated when he came to Buffalo. Dude, they gave him a fucking key to the city. God, I'm swearing so much. I'm they sorry. Gave him, they Mama gave him Torres, I know you're listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. For once, please. I wasn't the one that said it. You're thinking about, see, this is how you know we've been doing this show together too long because you're now taking my mom into account while we're recording these I'm episodes. I'm trying to be a better person. You're I'm, fine. She doesn't mind it. I might. She raised me, and I swear like a sailor. Is it your dad who's very anti-swearing? No, he's fine. Don't oh, worry about it. Don't I, no, worry about it bothers it. me. Yeah, and at first he was, but then he started realizing the what podcasts are and like kind of the format of uh, it. Now, now, now he's embracing. Still, it I'm trying bit. to be a better person. I understand. I, I understand. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, man, yeah, he. We gave him his own cereal. We gave him the key to his city. He was headline news for weeks and weeks and weeks. I remember. I think I've told you this maybe off air, but um, when. One Sunday I was in church with uh, Steve, 
And I looked at him and I was like, I'm surprised they didn't put Teal on the cross yet. Uh, because that's like, that's the attention he was getting. And from the inside, as a kid who didn't know as much about football then as I know now, even I knew he's not great. Especially at this point in his career, like, it's not going to do anything for us. He he, Right. And it could have been he, cool, but he got paid. He also does have the Buffalo Bills' longest touchdown pass. Um, yeah. He does have that going for him, but yeah. <sighs> but still, whatever. Yeah. And, and people make weird records everywhere. They go. <laughs> That's a really great pick on that list. Thank I'm glad you, you picked him because I, I had to uh, – I had to – really stop myself from putting him on. It was here. either him or A.B., honestly, and I was like, you know what? Again, A.B. It could be the CT. It really could be the It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Owens, full wall, knew what he was doing. Yeah. At least so we presume. So For sure. Um, so my number five, I, I have a tie. Okay. For, um, for this entry. I needed to put a baseball contender on here, right? Because... It's one of my favorite sports. It's if if we're looking now, it's probably UFC, football, baseball. Okay. I think football is slightly overtaken baseball, but I still they're neck and neck. They're interchangeable for me. Um, and throughout my time watching baseball, there have been a lot of hotheads. I've seen a lot of people that have made really terrible impressions. Roger Clemens for me, um, real hothead of a pitcher, known steroid abuser. Uh, purposely hurt Mike Piazza during uh, a Met game because he had hit a home run off of him right. earlier that season or the season before. But when you think of modern era, notorious baseball players, the biggest heels that we have, there are two that are interchangeable, and those two men are Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize A-Rod was so hated Yes, well, even before the steroid, even before the steroid thing, I'm I'm a big Yankee guy, so I didn't like him because he's on the Yankees. That that's that's a huge. You mean you're a big Met guy? I'm I'm a big. Oh my god! Yeah, don't let my dad hear that part of it. No, you're fine. Um, We're sorry, Mr. Torres. We're sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, No, but I'm a huge Met guy, so I traditionally don't like typical like Yankee players and stuff. And he's you know uh, consistent. Yankee guy, you look at him, you think of the pinstripes. That guy, that guy's had so many like hitting records and so many batting records for like the longevity in his career. And then it comes the the steroid scandal comes out, and he's almost like, "Yeah, I did it. Nothing other than that." He's like, "Yeah, oh well, I did steroids for all that time." And then Barry, after everything with McGuire and Sosa. And I know that McGuire and Sosa were using steroids too. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm I used getting. I love at. Mark McGuire. I do too. I, I, him hitting the home run to break Maris's record when he's facing the Cubs and him and Sosa are on the same field is one of the craziest moments. And if, um, Oh, man, ESPN does a great 30 for 30 on the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa summer. Oh, do they? And you should watch it because it was incredible. I worship Mark McGuire. You should watch that. I had a poster. They interview him through the whole thing, too. They interview both him and Sammy. They have, like, their their real-time reactions. During COVID, 
when my dad and I didn't have baseball, that was a really hard, that was a really tough time because we find out in March, like, oh yeah, they're not doing spring training, they're not doing this, they're pushing everything back until like it's feasible. The one day we watched that uh, that documentary, and it it provided us what we were missing with baseball. But the the end of that story is Barry Bonds shattering their record a few seasons later by hitting like 75 in a season. And he did it, roided it up. He's he's on there for the short term for for that note and A-Rod's on it for the long term right. that he did for baseball. Because he abused it through his whole career. So did Barry. You look at Barry when he first started oh for the God. Pittsburgh Pirates. And you look at, like, he, he hulked up. That's that's his Hulk version that you see. He has, like, four different forehead. Like, it's bad. It's it, the amount that he used. So these are the two biggest, like, notorious cheaters in baseball. Um Steroid rise. You could look at like the the White Sox traditionally for the World Series they fixed or the games they fixed back in the day. You can look at Pete Rose for the gambling he did. Those make them heels in their own way. But damn, nobody hurt the reputation of baseball more than Alex and Barry combined. It's probably true. And even like Aaron Judge this year finally broke the single season home run record. He broke Barry Bonds' record by hitting like 81 or something like natural, that. Natural, right? Natural? Is he all natural? Yeah, he's all natural as far as everybody knows. Um, But that – when they say, oh, yeah, he broke Bonds' record, it's like did he really or did he just set – did he just set a new one and beat the previous guy that had it before Bonds? Because I really don't consider that like record should be standing. Like, he hit all those clean. Like, you shouldn't even look at You should put Bonds in a separate category. But right. I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's so it, – that's one of those difficult things because that was kind of the era, right? They call it the steroid era. Oh, you know, yeah. When it was legal, it, was, it, was, it wasn't it was like – it wasn't smiled upon, right? It, it, or it wasn't frowned upon. But um, but still, it, it is tainted in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But – and all I mean, as far as how, but it is wild though because I think the most exciting time period was the steroid era for sure, for sure. It's oh, it's crazy. It's it's really wild. It was a really rough time for baseball. Yeah, and now it's now it's seeing life again, and I'm I'm loving that. I'm loving that from my standpoint as a fan. There's it's everybody says that like it's not America's pastime anymore and that the sport is dying and I think I think baseball is better than ever right now. It comes now. and goes in ways, but I think it's more it's definitely more popular. The athletes they have in that sport right now are better than they ever had. Like the clean athletes that they have yeah. are amazing to watch. It's I, crazy. Well, they're trying to modernize. I, yep. I I think that's the important thing. Baseball for so long was tradition 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 and that's cool and all. There's a lot definitely good to have tradition, but you got you got to be able to let guys like show off, right? Show off a little bit. Mm. Have fun. Make it entertaining. That's dude, football was so boring when it first started. Yeah. And for years and then the, you know, and then it got exciting the celebrations and the touchdowns and uh, and all this and, and baseball can be that. Like let you got to let these dudes, you know, be excited, be passionate. It's, for sure. So that's that's what I got for that. So very good. Thank you. I like dude. the tie. I like the tie. I think it's a fair one. Appreciate it. Yeah, I I feel like they're interchangeable, right? Like you can't 
you can't put Barry on there because then people will be like, what about A-Rod? And then you can't put A-Rod on there because people will be like, well, what about Barry Bonds? Like, they have to, as far as their legacies, I feel like they're on the same level when it comes to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Top four. Matt. All right. So my number four, I hope you don't hate me for this one. Go I don't it. think you will. But um, this is my second UFC person. I love his story. But I hate who he's become. I hate him. Conor McGregor. Let's talk about it because that's num- my number four as well. Is it really? Yes, it is. Get the fuck out. Okay. It is. So to me, I, again, I heard about McGregor's story, right? Broke. Is, is right. That's his, that's his origin. I, I Broke roughly... on welfare. Like he was, uh, D, his wife basically took him in and was like, she stayed with him, him through everything, mm-hmm. right? He gets famous UFC, right? He he can cut a good promo. And he's a really, really good fighter. But after a while, dude, this shit just got too ridiculous. Talking about people's wives and insulting. Like, I think him and Khabib had, right? Him and, Again, I'm not a big UFC guy, but right? Him and Khabib had a little feud. Yeah, man. I, I can what, take you. While, while we're talking about this, I could kind of take you over through a whole timeline of this Please shit. Please do. Remind did. me. Because, again, I, ba- just, I just, everything you heard of, basically, to sum it up quickly, everything that he did outside of the cage was just, hor- like, just, just classless. For sure. List. So let's expand on that a little bit then. So uh, when I first started watching, like I said, right before the uh, the DC John Jones fight, the first fight that they had, right before. So uh, in February or January of that year, um, I believe late January, if I'm not mistaken, um, Connor fights Dennis Seaver for the number one contender to the belt. This is my first interaction with him, and I and I just see this man brash, running his mouth right. Just making all these people's lives living hell. So his in person, his in cage impression, is uh, how I first started to be like, ah, I don't think I like this guy too much. This is who I was referring to before when I said Chael P walked so that Conor McGregor could figure run. Um, but for a while, he was just doing kind of in cage stuff, right? He's harassing Jose Aldo on his world tour, taking his belt like uh, at different pressers and things like that. Gets in his head so much, he knocks him out in 13 seconds. One of the craziest things I've ever witnessed in UFC to this day. I think it's one of the craziest things. Um, and then you have him about to go up to lightweight to take out... Uh, on the lightweight champ, who is RDA at the time. RDA gets hurt. Enter Nate Diaz. And Nate Diaz has now entered the chat. Takes him on 10 days' notice, chokes him out, right, at welterweight. Yeah. First time I see Humble Connor, where I'm like, okay, he's going to regroup, re-go, he's going to be at the drawing board. Immediately starts running his mouth again afterwards about, like, he didn't do nothing, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. Uh saying Nate pre at the pre-fight press conference was uh, a cholo gangster and like is doing kid like uh, doing charity for kids on the weekend so he's not really a, a gangster my one of my favorite quotes from him he ma- he makes gun signs with the left hand and makes balloon animals with the right hand that that type of thing I skipped school so I could watch that press conference really I skipped one of my college classes so I could watch the Nate and Connor press conference the first time um so then becomes double champ right 
it, at the end of the year, is the whole thing in New York uh, talks about A.D. Alvarez's wife beforehand and all that, like totally classless with uh, tons of the shit he does. So then he has the belts. Then comes, oh, pre, pre, pre all this too, he ruins UFC 200 because him and Nate Diaz too was supposed to be the headliner of, of UFC 200. He had um, a press conference obligation, but he was training in Iceland and said, yeah, I'm not leaving Iceland to do this. So they took the fight off. And he was like, and then he was retired for a second. He tweeted, I'm retired. Thanks for the cheese or something like that. Um, So then, yeah, becomes double champ. Doesn't defend featherweight ever. That's the thing people don't talk about with him. He was a double champ, but he never defended the featherweight belt ever. Um. And then you have him uh, cornering his guy in Bellator, getting thrown out because he's not even supposed to be there. When his guy wins, he jumps in the cage to celebrate with him. When the ref gets him off, he pushes the ref, then tries slapping the one security official when he's... So now we're starting to get to the point where you're like, okay, it's super disrespectful. Then we get to the next UFC event that he ruins when they when they're about to strip him of his lightweight title and have Khabib versus Tony for that. When uh, this footage comes out of Khabib talking to Connor's training partner Artem Lobov, in looking like he's having kind of an uncomfortable conversation with him, having an unpleasant one, because you got to remember too, Khabib was a contender for years and was being overlooked for the title because Connor was fighting for it. Right. So he's waiting for his shot simply because a guy with a bigger name has that belt. Um, so after the Artem thing, Connor and his homeboys fly over from Ireland to New York. Invade the press conference. The press conference is already over. So what does Connor do? The bus is leaving with Khabib on it, and he grabs a dolly and throws it at the window, shattering the window, taking three fights off the card. That's another thing people don't say. People got – Michael Chiesa got a huge cut on his forehead so he couldn't fight. Uh, because you know you can't fight with a pre like a huge laceration no. like that. Ray Borg got a piece of glass in his eye that he needed surgically removed. He he ruined the whole the the um dolly hit right next to Rose Namajunas' seat, and the only reason it didn't hit her square in the head is because like the uh the beam that separated the windows it hit that and blocked it from hitting her, and she has anxiety issues as it is. So you can only imagine what shifted the whole card around. Yeah. And then he gets a slap on the wrist for it because he's in favor with the the company. Then, like you said before, the Khabib fight finally happens. And he talks so much shit about the Muslim culture. Did he say something about his dad or something like that? He said something about his dad, I believe. To an extent. Yeah. I I can't remember what it was, but I remember... Khabib coming out and just saying, you know, you guys get mad at me for for this, this, and this, but he does this. He says this about me, and yeah. what am I supposed to do? Exactly. I, there's no way. You, there's no way I can come out on top. And that's when I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's when I really realized how awful of a person that kind of he is had become. And then you have that pay per view. You have the most buys ever for a UFC pay per view. That is the most bought pay per view ever. Khabib dominates the entire fight. Then what happens after the fight? The thing that gets more attention 
than the fight itself even. Dylan Dennis talks shit from Connor's corner. Khabib, with all the hate and the anger and the tensions flying, jumps over the cage and attacks Connor's corner. And then it becomes an all-out brawl. Afterwards, too, in the arena, it's Irish fans versus Muslim fans. They're fighting. Every, like it created a whole a whole thing a whole war with that. Then you have all the other things you hear about him slapping old people in bars, uh, the the alleged affairs he's having like yeah, with, with these is, women in New York makes it even more sick. You you have him calling Dustin Poirier's wife a hoe after they fought. Did that. he break his leg or something like that? And was it, still he broke his leg about, and was still yeah. sitting at the cage. Your wife sent me DMs. She's a dud. And like saying like all the, all this shit. Yeah, I don't like that. The man can't stay out of the media yeah. for for bad attention. It, it another legacy all that is whiskey. Right? Yeah, all the sell proper 12 Irish whiskey who he has a stake in the UFC now. He sponsors the UFC now with with proper 12. It, it, and like you think of this too, all the stuff he said to Floyd Mayweather on the world tour. Dance for me boy. Dance. Dance while the money's being thrown at you. All that shit, talking about how he can't I, read. That whole, he, I blame Conor McGregor. He's half of the reason why we have the like the Logan or Jake Paul boxing and all that mm-hmm. shit. The Triller fight cards. He's the reason why we have these super fights or like, like that are just yeah. just garbage, right? It's just garbage and boxing. He, and he should have known better. The only person that's allowed to make fun of Floyd Mayweather is Fifty Cent. You can't have anybody else but him doing it. The, Fifty Cent had the best Floyd Mayweather diss of all time when the ALS Ice ba- Bucket Challenge was going on. He got challenged to do it, and he challenged Floyd. And he said, "He said, I he's he said." Here's your challenge, Floyd. If you could read one page of a Harry Potter book, <laughs> I'll donate a hundred thousand dollars to any charity of your choice. Fuck the bucket of ice and threw it off his balcony. <laughs> no one talks better shit than that to Floyd Mayweather. I know that is the top few. That's who should have boxed. Is those two should have should have really yeah, had fifty added. cents looking like. Two dollars right now. Oh, yeah, he's a biggins. I don't know. Ugh, yeah, not that I were fat he's shape, but he's. Uh, I don't know if he. I don't know if get rich or die trying. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be doing a whole no, lot of that. No, I don't think he's doing a whole lot of that these days. But yeah, Connor. Connor set the UFC back big time for a long time. He brought a lot of eyes to the sport. Right, yeah. that was a big thing. Like he was getting so much media attention that even like if he breathed. They were asking Dana about it at the press conference. Like right. it was, it, there was always something going on with that man, and uh, so his feuds with he's freaking got into it with Machine Gun Kelly at the MTV Awards this year. You're like, just Connor, yeah, just stop, Connor. Come on, dude. Like, like remember could, where you, you came know from? No, you could take that guy. Remember where you came from? Why even talk this shit? Why even talk this shit? You know you could snap that dude if you wanted to. I I probably spent more time on Connor than we wanted to for that one. But he gets under my skin with all the stuff that he's he's done. Because I love... The the athletes in the UFC are one of my biggest reasons for watching it because I love the individual stories and I love the respect. Yeah. I love the respect in mixed in mixed martial arts. And he made it about the shit talking mm-hmm. for a long time. He sure did. And, was his whole shtick. And didn't do anything to counter it outside like, the cage. He, and every time we look, he's getting his ass whooped every time. Like uh, I think he's lost his last three or four or something like that. He hasn't won the last time. Connor won a fight was pre-pandemic when he fought Cowboy Cerrone. 
and he, and Cowboy should have never taken that fight yeah, either. He lost an AD. Let's see, his last four losses. Uh, he he's has lost a, four of his last seven. He hasn't held a belt since uh, Trump got elected president, so 2016. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so. It was the last time he fought in any type of title, like, it where he was champion. Right. He's been involved in tons of title fights since, for whatever reason, over guys who deserve it and the, those contenders. Uh, that's why, man, when Dustin Poirier took him out, I think Dustin Poirier is one of the hardest pe- working people in the sport. And him getting that made me so happy. So happy. I bet. Knocking Connor out, it was such a satisfying feeling because he knocks Connor out and it was such a clean knockout. And then he turns his wife Jolie's in Abu Dhabi watching him. And he just steps away, looks to Jolie, and just goes, I love you. It, it like finds her and makes that connection, looks for her, I love you. And then turns and like is still doing his like almost like him being like, yeah, I told you I told you I was going to do this and be fine. That's that type of thing. And the other thing no one talks about, he walked out to face Cotter uh, to James Brown's the boss and walked back to the payback. (laughs) Beautiful. Most badass sports moment of all time. I love it. Yeah. Love to watch a guy like Conor Weary get beat up. Yeah, me too, man. All right. All right. Top three, baby. Let's go. Top three. Um, okay. So my number three, uh, Jamestown, New York's own Commissioner Roger Goodell. <laughs> yes. I knew he was coming out here. I had to. This dude, the, the football, the NFL has been like, not that it's a shit show, but there's times you're watching and it's like, what is really going on here? Um, just numerous just issues I've seen, mishandling of suspensions, uh, like just I, I don't know who comes up with some of these, these suspensions. He's just very just cowardly. Nobody likes nobody really likes Roger Goodell. The owners I don't think really have a fondness for him. The players don't. Um, and like one one of my biggest criticisms of the NFL right now is probably the lack of accountability for referees and I'm not one to blame referees for everything cuz there's 60 minutes in a game plenty of opportunities to put a game away but the games are there's too much power in the hand of the refs if the refs if the players screw up right if they say something do something bad mm-hmm. they get fined if a ref screws up Roger Goodell calls the team who they screwed screwed over and apologizes, and the refs don't really get held accountable. Probably because they don't want to lock out or anything, but it's really, really bad. There's, plus, yeah. trust me, there's plenty of reasons to knock Roger Goodell um, for his handling of the league. It is, be- yeah, I just, I feel like there was better times. Uh, I feel like there there was better times in the NFL at, at certain points. It just there's times now where it just feels scripted and weird, and it's like, why does the game feel this way? It feels like this way more so than it ever did. Uh, in some instances, but Roger Goodell, sport villain, hated by many, loved by few, uh, and the literally the Vince McMahon of the NFL. So, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good one. I <laughs> I do feel like he is very the Vince McMahon character in real life, like non scripted sports. Like he's got to be that role, right? Like, he's perfect. John Cena even said it. he did it like an SP award thing, and he's like, "Yeah, see, pro wrestling and football is not very, not very different. You have you have an evil maniacal boss." Yeah, and he pointed, and Roger, Roger Goodell showed up on the screen. It was hilarious. Yeah, 
Yeah. He, he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. So, uh, all right. My number three is someone that I uh, <laughs> we mentioned a little bit on this list, and I feel like he had to be included, especially because I have uh, a lot of combat sports on my list. Uh, my number three is going to be one Floyd Money Mayweather as one of the... He's my number two, so he is. roll right into Perfect. it. Perfect. So let's roll right into it. Um, the man is 54-0. and 0. I say 54-0 and 0 because he's 50-0 and 0 in boxing and 4-0 and 0 in domestic abuse uh, situations. Uh, the man is a piece of shit. He's just <laughs> like... He is... He's the most talented boxer that has ever lived. He is the best defensive boxer of all time. That is that is a credit I will give him right now. The man is a fucking douchebag. The man is one of the worst personalities to enter boxing ever. And Bob Arum's in boxing. And that dude's awful. <laughs> Absolutely awful. And you have Floyd Money Mayweather who in the height of his fame could not stop getting himself in trouble. Yep. Could not. Whether it was him being broke, whether it was him in domestic abuse allegations with, like, multiple women that were coming forward and saying that he was hitting them, whether he was getting sued for defamation of fame. That's the only reason he took the Connor fight. He needed the money. He needed the money bad when he took that. And he fight. took that Paul fight too. Yeah, that man, that was worse. When he when he hit him, knocked like it was so obviously fake. He hit him, knocked him out, and then held him up mm-hmm. blatantly. Like, like, and then he waved everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Like, dude, that's not you. Yeah, you're a fraud. Like, dude, like, come on, you. Your nickname is Money Mayweather. Yep. You should have had the the right people behind you investing your money, putting it the right way, getting you out of any sketchy situations that you could possibly be in. And and you would have one you'd have like a grace of all time even more than a lot of people already give him. Yeah. Some people put him as the greatest boxer of all time. It's arguable. I definitely he think was... he's one of them. I didn't like his boxing style. I didn't either. It was, I mean, again, but it was smart. It obviously worked, 54-0. But his boxing style was less exciting, I mean, way less exciting. I would take watching a Mike Tyson fight any day. Nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, I'll watch those yeah. fights a, a million times before I watch a Floyd, Floyd fight. was, you got to think, Floyd was big in boxing at a time when boxing was not very popular. Right. And it's not... I wouldn't say. I think it's the, the popularity is up a little bit since then, but I mean Floyd held it down in a very like a transitional period, right? We're coming off a lot of big superstar names, right? Just boxing fights aren't as popular. Like people aren't. Let's get together and watch. You know the Floyd Mayweather fight. It, it wasn't. There was a few of those that were like that, but it wasn't. It didn't quite have that following. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, dude, Floyd. It just. He knew how to market. He knew how to get people to want to tune in and watch him yeah. fight. Hope they were going to, uh, you know, hope that he would get beat, of course. And, and it never happened. He retired on top, um, you know, which is just wild. But I think um, that adds to the heat, too, is that nobody ever saw him take that L. And, and people and wanted, nobody ever could, right. Yeah, right. People wanted desperately to see somebody do it, and nobody ever could. Yep. So now he just gets to sit there. With that perfect record, 
and fucking up all the time. Yeah. And people get to just be like. Rubbing in their faces or any damn thing you can do about it. Yep. So. Um, yeah. yeah. That's why he's my number two. That's why he's my number three, man. I, I, I think he just, a bad taste in your mouth gets left with everywhere he goes. At least with, at least with Tyson back in the day. This is horrible to say. At least he was entertaining in his controversies, right? Yeah. Like, at least when he cussed someone out or did some shit, you were laughing your ass off when he did it. Because, like, he just had a way about him. He just did. And and he's reformed since then. Like, he's not doing coke no more. He's not doing any. He's not nearly where he was during, like, the hangover or anything like that. Now he's, like, chilling out and doing his own thing. <laughs> uh, but Floyd needs that turnaround in his life big time yeah big time you ain't kidding you ain't kidding so my number two um i had to put him on here and uh, personal bias i really even shouldn't put him this high because i really don't know what he even does but it's tom brady tom brady's my number two on my biggest sports heels of all time um Man, do I even have to, like, go into it? The man is the winningest. I have a whole spiel because he's my number one. Okay, so, perfect. Yeah. So it's, so why don't you lead us off with your spiel, and I'll sure. add any details that need to be added in with Okay. This. So Tom Brady is the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. Yes. Hands down, unproven. I will not dispute that. Yes. Um, I have enjoyed, and I can't wait to tell people, tell my kids, tell uh, young people someday that I live to watch Tom Brady play football. Mm-hmm. People get so upset that a guy like Tom Brady owned their football teams. Literally yes. just owned it, right? Came into Buffalo. I think he, Josh Allen, maybe a year or so ago, finally, but Tom Brady had more wins in Buffalo than any Buffalo Bills quarterback since Jim Kelly. Yeah. For a certain point of time, which is crazy to think about. 20 so years sad. of dominance and still playing actually very, very well into his age, right? Even though this year the team's record was down, Brady still played really good. He still played pretty he's good. He's 45 years old. Yeah. He has nothing more to prove, and he's still going out there and putting dudes to shame. His worst seasons are better than some people's best seasons. True. And that's why I admire Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the Patriots, they beat the Colts all of the time. All of the time. Beat the Bills all the time. Right? Yeah, they owned it. I don't care. Brady, everyone, people want to say, you know, Brady was, you know, Brady is legit, and I would, I would like to do a sports goat list at some point, but Tom Brady to me is the, the king of the goats, mm-hmm. right? He's won super. He has seven Super Bowl rings, six with the Pats, one with the Bucks. Went there, new team, and put him in a Super Bowl immediately, and won. Right, first quarterback. If that was the first team to play a Super Bowl in their own home stadium, dominated him. Mm. All right. To me, nothing beats Brady's level of preparedness, his focus, his drive. He's had like two divorces. And I'm not saying it's a good thing. You know, I don't encourage that. But this dude is focused on being the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much more he has to prove. I really, truly don't. I'm not sure what he's chasing. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a record of wins. I'm pretty sure he's the all-time passing yards leader at this point. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but he's still going just because he can and he wants to. 
right? I think that's the ultimate sign. A lot of guys are like, ah, I don't have to do this anymore. I'm done. I can go to other opportunities. He can legit go into commentary right now, make more money than he ever did as a player. Yeah. If he wanted to. Forever. But Brady's still going because he can, because there's a market for him. And look, he he owns it. He's never shied away. He never asked to be the villain, right, in, in, in the world of the NFL. He never asked to be the villain. No. But people thought what they thought of him, and he owned it and embraced it. And dude was making funny commercials for a little bit. Um, high, just good endorsements. I, I, I legit love Tom Brady. I, I think it. I think he's. I, I cherish Tom Brady. He, tr- Tom Brady to me. So, Tom Brady to me is the Triple H. All right, from pro sure. wrestling terms, he's a Triple H. Like I said about Bill Belichick, if you beat a Bill Belichick team and talk about a Super Bowl, if you outplay Tom Brady in a football game, at least for a certain stretch of time, not so much anymore, but you know, there's that period in his thirties and such. They talk Super Bowl. What mm-hmm. a kind of deal. Yep. Beating Tom Brady in a football game, outplaying Tom Brady in a football game meant something. Yes. It me that win was it, you know, wasn't necessarily Super Bowl, but it meant something. It holds held stock, held value. People watched to watch Tom Brady lose. Yeah. We tuned into Super Bowls. Who's gonna knock him off, right? Eli Manning and Nick Foles are legends. Yes. Because they beat they out they they you know, they, they led their teams past the Patriots. Yeah. Tom Brady led Patriots squad. Eli's looked like as almost like a mythical being. They're like, you yeah. faced him in the Super Bowl twice and won? I, I, yeah. I don't know if Eli Manning is a – Eli. I don't I don't think Eli Manning is a borderline Hall of Famer unless he beat Tom Brady twice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the Super Bowl. It's, it's Nick Foles. That's been his only his claim to fame. He's you know outplaying it. The Philly special, all that stuff. There's a statue of Nick Foles outside of Philadelphia Stadium because that right. Mm-hmm. He outplayed Tom Brady. Super Bowl MVP, crazy good year. Like that's how much beating Brady meant. Yeah. For sure, I'm actually really excited for this eighty for Brady movie. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've seen the trailer. For I have, it. It yeah. It's kind of fun. I, I kind of want to see it. That, yeah, that will be really interesting. I think, yeah, Brady is. You hear the argument all the time where it's like, oh, well, he's not this because of the numbers. It's Joe Montana because of this, or it's Peyton Manning because of this. And you're doing that. I heard something the other day that puts it all into perspective, and I, I want to say Colin Cohort was the who I heard it from. Yeah, um, but he was he was saying that um, baseball is a stats game. Basketball is like all about like the points and point shaving and like all those different things. The NFL it's about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's about winning that championship no matter what. And he was. He was bringing the fact. He was bringing up the fact. He was like, "Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning?" Overall, you'd probably want Manning because you have two Super Bowl rings, right? Like you know, you're getting two Super Bowls, and that's why Brady's the greatest of all time. He has seven. Mm-hmm. When he, when it mattered most, he played the best. When it mattered most, he was always on yep. that twenty-eight to three comeback. They talk about Matt Ryan blew it, Matt Ryan. The other side of it is Brady was on the other side leading that comeback, and you don't have just anybody who could do that. Right. You really don't. You really don't. It may be a Matt Ryan thing after this year. But uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. It's cool. But, but, it, it, but like, 
that uh, the the point is there it takes a special type of person to be able to lead a team like that. Yeah. You have to be the guy we at the beginning of this list I talked about Russell Wilson who doesn't have the ability to uh, lead these dudes. Tom Brady always had the ability to lead, whether he's screaming at the Bucks offensive line to get your fucking asses in order, you could play better than this. Anything. Anything. He was able to play best when it counted. Do you know how difficult it is to assemble a team of 53 people to be world champions, to be the best? Oh, my God. It's insane. It's almost impossible. And you know another thing people don't give Brady credit for sometimes? He took pay cuts. He was one of the lower-paid quarterbacks throughout his entire NFL career so he can assemble teams around him. All these guys, they got really good. They they wanted the highest pot. Let's push the market. Brady was making like twenty four, twenty five mil a year when the when the standard for the the top quarterbacks in the league was like thirty five. Yes, you know what I mean. Eventually, wanted to get paid, which he deservedly did, but that's what he did. That was what he was willing to do. That's why I, I worship Tom Brady. Yeah, so, yeah. Tom Brady uh, is your number two, but probably my number one. And uh, yeah, what a villain! What yeah, a villain. Yeah, what a big villain. Because so. then he does all that. And then, like, you see him with the MAGA hat in his locker, and you're like, ah. And then you see him, like, getting drunk at Disney World on that ship, and you're like, ah. ah, ah and throwing, ah. throwing the Lombardi trophy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's, he's the ultimate. He, okay, let me preface this then for my number one. He would be the ultimate sports heel in my mind, were it not for this man existing. Okay. Again, I love the sport of mixed martial arts. I love the UFC more than oh, yeah. I can possibly uh, tell people. There is one man who will consistently be a problem for the entirety of his career, no matter what. And it seems like no matter how many times he humbles himself before God in the courts and everything... That he looks in the mirror and his evil twin just emerges every time. And he just can't help but to get into some shit. I am, of course, talking about the one, the only, Johnny Bones Jones. Yep, Rochester's own. Rochester's own. Another man who deservedly and probably in all honesty, if we made a greatest athletes of all time list, he would probably be in my top three. As far as athletes go. First, you look at his family. It's him. You got Arthur and Chandler. You got Arthur, who has a Super Bowl ring with Baltimore, I believe. I I believe he does, because I know Chandler has one for uh, the Patriots. Arthur Jones. Let's see. Arthur Jones. Yep. Played for the Ravens. Yep. Yep. Played for the Ravens. Then you got Chandler, who literally ended uh, the Patriots' whole See, I didn't season. They were, I didn't realize mm-hmm. Chandler Jones was from. Yeah, man. Year. Yeah. You have him who ended the Patriots' whole season with a stiff arm this year. Yeah. You have the most athletic family that's ever existed for the most part. Then you have John, who got in the UFC and was the youngest light heavyweight champion of all time. Not only is he the youngest light heavyweight champion of all time, to get that belt, he beat Shogun Hua, who just retired this uh, past Saturday. He's a legendary figure in the mixed martial arts world. 
But what people don't see was what he was doing in Pride at that time. He was the fucking man in Pride when he was over there and doing those fights there. He uh, he was absolutely a mixed martial arts legend before John even got to him. And even before that, John's beating guys like Stefan Bonner. He's beating... Uh, Matt Hamill, which it's his only loss, and it's because he was beating him so bad that he got disqualified. He hit him with an illegal elbow, and they disqualified him for that fight. John Jones beating himself as a theme throughout this list. Yeah. And and that is the start. It's literally on his record that his only loss is him beating himself. It really just is that simple. But then... Um, I'm just pulling up this list here, so I have it right. I look at his record, dude. Look, right. Like, like so you stretch between you. You look at you look at this. Look at this, dude. His 2011 was awesome. Ryan Bader's what got him the title fight, right? And it's because Rashad was injured and had to step out, so they put him in that. You have he beat Brandon Vera, who was a two division champ and won, like relatively recently too. So, but starting from his title reign, you have him. You have Rampage, who is a mixed martial arts legend. You have Lyoto Machida, mixed when, martial arts legend. I remember when Lyoto first came out, like got big. I think he beat Rashad for the title. Right? Yeah, yep. I remember that. That was like that was he was like this new international heel, right? It, but, John Jones guillotined him against the fence so bad that it was just the standing guillotine. And he just dropped Leoto's body and walked away. Like Leo's, it was like a dead body there. And then this is where like the start of his true personality is coming in. The, uh, you hear one of his coaches say, "John, go back and shake his hand. Get some points with the fans. Check if he's okay." You're like, "Ah, okay." So now he's you're seeing he's starting to play it up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Leota, uh, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort. Uh, Chael Sonnen, the bad guy who I discussed earlier, Alexander Gustafson in the closest fight of his career, Glover Teixeira, who just retired recently again, was the, became the oldest light heavyweight champion ever at 43. Then you have the era I found him in, the Daniel Cormier era, where all of a sudden the cracks are starting to show through. The big press conference where they're together for, uh, for a face-off for the first time, and Jones gets in DC's face. DC pushes him. John shoves people to the side, throws a punch at DC. All hell breaks loose. All of it. All the hell. Then you got a um, a televised ESPN press conference between the between the two of them, where John is. I apologize. I apologize for this all the time. You know, this is not who I like to be as an athlete. I don't like. I don't like to do this. Soon as he thinks they're off the air, earpieces are still in, and he and he's he's sitting there. And when he thinks he's safe, he refers to Daniel Cormier and says, Hey, pussy, are you still there? Daniel nodding his head, I'm here. And starts talking shit back and forth uh, forth to him. John saying, I could come over in that room and literally kill you if I wanted to. DC saying, you really think you could kill me, John? Come over here. That's a stupid thing. You really think? Then he finds out that it's a that it's still being recorded while that oh, happens, right? Wow. Not now it's used as footage for the build up to their fight. And then beats Cormier, hits him with the DX suck it afterwards. Supposed to fight Rumble Johnson, God rest his soul. He's in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He rear ends a, a pregnant woman in his car, runs away from the scene. Comes back to get the coke and the money out of his gun co- glove compartment. Goes away. People recognize him. That's John Jones. He's in the Albuquerque area. Gets stripped of his light heavyweight title. 
has to serve court, only gets out a it only is out a year for whatever he did, has to do clean drug test, blah, blah, blah. Comes back against OSPB, Tim, great, great, whatever. UFC 200, this is the second time we're mentioning this today because Conor ruined it the first time. This is who ruined it the second time because the replacement fight for UFC 200 after the whole Conor fiasco is supposed to be Daniel Cormier versus John Jones 2. Finally, this is the fight we want. This is what we've been waiting for. Three days before the event, John Jones tests positive mm. for a banned substance. Three days before it happens. Have to scrap that fight. They Moving forward, John is out for another year while he's dealing with this whole thing. And we're discussing picograms and all this stupid stuff that's like, it's apparently this pulsating thing that is like floating in a system or you had a sex pill over the counter or something like that. This is, this is, this is the story that's being told. Then finally fights DC a year later. UFC 214, 215, one of those two. Beats DC. We have a definitive result. John's back. He's the champion. Calls out Brock Lesnar afterwards. Oh my God, this could be a great fight if this happens. About a week later, he tests positive again. Stripped of the title. Daniel Cormier is giving it back. Cormier doesn't want it that way. He doesn't want anything like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's all these other allegations. Him in a strip club and getting uh, allegations of being rough with a woman in, the, in that club. Everything like that. Gets back at the end of the year after he's cleared and, um, and apparently clean to be able to compete again. Uh, he comes back at the end of the next year. They find another thing in his system. He tests positive for something else. They moved the whole event from wherever it was supposed to be to California. I believe it was supposed to be in Vegas, and they moved it to California. The whole event. Just picked it up and moved it because he apparently it's a pulsation from what he had done two years ago that just happens to keep showing back up in his system. Mm. That's how they're explaining this, right? Wins the light heavyweight belt. Great. Fine. Keeps getting in more controversies as he's doing it, talking more shit to fans, talking more shit to other athletes, all this. Pandemic hits, great. Nothing we could possibly do there to have things going on. He even tweets, John Jones himself tweets, this is the one time ever that we can be rewarded for just sitting at home, watching Netflix, and doing nothing at all. About three months into the pandemic, <laughs> can't make this shit up. The cops pulling him, uh, pull him over with his breast smelling like alcohol, a green leafy substance uh, sprinkled on his lap, and a gun in his passenger seat because he was shooting it off in the air as he was driving his convertible. This man is his own worst enemy. 100%. And he is the most... Hated person in combat sports because he can never get it right. He just can never get it. This was only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more explanation to, like, some of the shitty things he's done over the years. And it's ridiculous. And for those out there who don't keep up too closely with it, he's now going for the heavyweight belt. He's coming back. He'll be back this March after a three-year layoff. He's coming back to fight for the heavyweight championship. And I know most of the world is hoping that he gets his ass beat by this guy. They're hoping. He probably won't. 
That's the reality of it. He's the most gifted athlete of all time, and he could probably take on anyone with the right training. But he will never get the pound-for-pound respect he deserves ever, especially in my eyes, because of his cheating right? and because of his legal issues. It's too much. There gets to a point where it's just too damn much, and the personality will outweigh the talent. And that is the case for John Jones. And that is why he is number one on my list. I don't think you could pick a much better uh, heel yeah. than that. Yeah. He's one of the most talked about athletes of all time. Uh, probably a definite, I mean, he's still like so good, but a what if yeah. himself, a giant what if. Um, that yeah. was fun. It, that was really, really fun. <laughs> honestly, I lo- I honestly could talk about bad guys in sports all day. I feel like oh. we could just like keep finding dudes to to bring up. Could do the guys in sports one at some point too. Ooh, we definitely good. Like like athletes you would want to be friends with or something like Somebody that. Or even just lists. like the guys that you. How could you root against them? Right? There's just so many like just good people. Yeah. That play sports. It's like how could you not want this person to succeed? Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, that might be something down the line we'll really have to explore all these good guys. Uh, We will be back next week with another episode. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the subject matter is going to be. It is my pick, so I'm going to pick something really, really good for you guys for next week. Um, Matt, it's great to be back in studio with you, as always. It's a lot of fun. I know our holidays were wild. Um, In particular, this week I had kind of a crazy week. Uh, Past 24 hours have been kind of rough. Uh, for personal reasons, but, uh, you know, I always have something to look forward to with you. And this is like our own little world here. And I'm always so appreciative that you bring me into it. Of course, buddy. I'm glad that I have this to do with you. Like I, I, I really do like, look for, like I told you when we were getting back into that solo episode, I'm like, Dan, I really want to like go through this. And you had something going on or something, our schedules didn't line up. And I'm just like, this is great. But I need Dan. Yeah. So it is just it is nice. This is my favorite show to do. Me too. By Me a, too. by a by a long shot because it's it's different every week and it just I get to get things off my chest. Me too. So I agree. Uh so that does it for this week. We will see you guys next week with a brand new episode of Eat Sleep List. But until then, on behalf of Matt and myself, do you even list? Yeah.